This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. This is Faraz Siddiqui. I'm here with uh, none other than Zach Prescott, <laughs> the Dallas Cowboys. Happy Halloween, everybody. Zach is dressed up as Dak. Splitting image of Dak Prescott over here. Wearing right. number four. Dak look, did look kind of good yesterday, though. Kind of? thing. Yeah. Kind of. I, I liked it. I liked what I saw yesterday. Yeah, I mean, no, for sure. He was looking. He was looking like a good quarterback. He, he looked like his his uh, his hand injury, his thumb injury, is in the past at this point. Uh, mm-hmm. So you know, it was good to see. If you're a Cowboys fan like yourself, that was good to see. Yeah, hundred percent. Offense was back on track. Good for fantasy too. I mean, every everything was clicking right for the Cowboys offense. I was a little disappointed that Ceedee Lamb didn't get any more really points after that touchdown catch, but um, you know, we'll let it, we'll let it slide just this one time. You know, yeah, they I wasn't. Up for nine. I wasn't so high on CD Lamb going into this week, just because I thought that the game script didn't wouldn't wouldn't lend itself to that. But you know, the Bears look good, man, and we're, we're going to talk about Justin Fields in a little bit. Yeah, but uh, he looked good as good as well. So, um, a lot of crazy performances in Week Eight. First of all, not a whole lot of injuries, which is great, mm-hmm. right? This is a very light injury week. Cooper Cup, you know, he did have an ankle injury. Uh, very, very late in that game. We don't really know how serious it is. It doesn't look too serious. It looks like a low ankle sprain. That's what a lot of people are kind of saying. And hopefully he'll be good to go this week. But other than that, not really not really many, many injuries to really worry about in terms of as, at least the, the fantasy relevant players that we know. So that's right. good. And on top yeah. of that, we had like a ton of ridiculous fantasy performances we just posted up on instagram all the crazy performances alvin Kamara, 42.8 fantasy points christian mccaffrey 40.3 fantasy points aj brown 39.6 and this is obviously ppr aj mm-hmm. brown 39.6 with his three touchdowns derrick henry 35.8 with his 200 rushing yards deandre hopkins 33.9 tony pollard 33.7 with his three touchdowns christian mccaffrey he had three touchdowns alvin Kamara, how many touchdowns did alvin Kamara had two Two touchdowns uh, him, right? No, he had three total touchdowns. He had a rush. He had three two, also. Two receiving. That's, yeah. that's right. Oh a lot of hat tricks. Deontay Foreman had Deontay Foreman. Like three touchdowns. They were everywhere. <laughs> Tyree Dude. Kill, no touchdowns, but still 31 and a half fantasy points. Jalen Waddle had two touchdowns, 30.6 fantasy points, and DJ Moore with the game tying, not the game winning yeah. touchdown, unfortunately. He gave the Panthers a tie, but he took away the win. Yeah, you, you, you <laughs> can you can take your helmet off in that fashion when it's the Minneapolis miracle, you know, Stefan Diggs, you know, they had right. a more than that. They, they weren't tying the game. That was to take the lead. That was a go ahead touchdown. Um, that's going to no come back time, to Panthers with no time left on the clock, you know, you know, and, yeah. and, you know, listen, if you don't need the extra point, 
Sure. But it, so if you don't know what we're referring to, and I'm sure you guys do, but if you don't know what we're referring to, DJ Moore had an amazing, first of all, PJ Walker rolling out of the pocket, making a great throw to DJ Moore. DJ Moore got, got, got away with a little bit of a push off. You know, if you saw the play, you know what I'm talking about. He pushed yeah. off the linebacker a little, just a little bit. But hey, he caught the touchdown to tie the game. He, they were down by six. So that touchdown tied the game. They needed an extra point to win it, obviously. He took his helmet off with some time left on the clock, and you're not allowed to do that. You're going to get a penalty. So it was a 15-yard penalty. That extra point turned into a 48-yard field goal. And uh, of course, right, you know that he was – you know that he was going to miss that one, right? Like yeah. this is, you knew that as soon as he took his helmet off, he was going to miss it. And and that's what happened. Uh, so, you know, the Panthers ended up going to overtime and they ended up losing in overtime, unfortunately. But it was good to see some, you know, good fantasy performances from that team. You know, I think not having Baker Mayfield definitely helps. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> DJ Moore, like he had 11 targets in this game, caught six of them for 152 yards uh, and that touchdown. Deontay Foreman, 26 carries for 118 yards and three touchdowns. So we officially have some fantasy relevance on this team. Now, there was no Chuba Hubbard, right? Yeah. They gave all the work to Deontay Foreman, and he did his thing big time. And, uh, you know, I would imagine that this performance, after this performance, he becomes the one favored in that backfield by this coaching staff, even when Chuba's Hubbard. Chuba's Hubbard. Chuba's uh, when Hubbard. Chuba's healthy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no, I, I just think it's crazy going off of what we're saying with DJ Moore. Um, I think DJ Moore, maybe he took his, you know, he's been having a bad fantasy. Maybe he took his helmet off. He knew that they would miss the extra point just to buy his fantasy manager some extra time on the field. You know, maybe catch a <laughs> couple more passes, you know, you know, pad his stats a little bit to make up for what we were missing while Baker Mayfield was that quarterback. I, I think that might have been, you know, an underlying motive there. But with Deontay Foreman, you know, I think that he definitely bought himself um, some extra time, some extra work in his backfield where before it was Chuba Hubbard and, you know, it was his show before he went down with that injury. I think that Dante Foreman is going to be a bigger part of the rotation uh, moving forward. And we're still not sure. I mean, I don't know. I don't think Chuba Hubbard is going to miss next week or miss time, but we'll see how things go. Maybe if Dante Foreman gets another shot and uh, another crack at being the number one again, like he was last week, I- I'd expect maybe not similar numbers, but he seems like a really safe option, even though the offense is bad, but it's not a dumpster fire. Like we said two weeks ago. So that that's encouraging. It might not be. I mean, maybe it's because of the the the, the fact that they played against Atlanta. But you know, they played against the Bucks two weeks ago, and they looked yeah. okay. Um, you know, they didn't score a ton of points against the Bucks, but you know, at least they showed some you know semblance of uh, an NFL team, an NFL yeah. offense, right? Right, confidence uh, is what we're looking for at this point. <laughs> even Terrace Marshall came alive. You know, like we don't even know he he was alive at all in the NFL. You know. Nine yeah. targets for him, four catches for 87 yards. And this is interesting because Marshall was a, a pretty good prospect coming out of LSU. And the fact that he is finding some relevance is worth taking note of, right? With the departure of Robbie Anderson, he is now the starter opposite DJ Moore. You know, he played with Joe Burrow at LSU. They put up some big numbers together. You know, there was three wide receivers who had very fantasy relevant seasons in 2018. Or was it 2019 with Burrow, mm-hmm. Jamar Chase, um, who am I missing here? Um, uh, Justin Jefferson, right? Yeah, I and think Jefferson Terrence, was was Jefferson. Yep. Yeah, it was 2019. Yeah, you're right. Yep. And then Terrace Marshall was the other guy, right? He played on the outside when Justin Jefferson was in the slot. Jamar Chase was on the outside. When Justin Jefferson left to the NFL, Terrace Marshall moved into the slot, and he continued to do his thing, right, on an offense yep. that really wasn't that good. 
you know, especially the passing offense. So worth taking a note on Terrace Marshall as somebody who, you know what, to be honest with you, I was high on coming into the, into the league. Uh, I was high on him. I, I liked this game, but you know, as a rookie, he didn't do anything. He couldn't crack the roster. He couldn't crack the starting lineup. He couldn't crack. He couldn't see the field, you know? So yeah. despite him having a pretty good preseason coming into last year. So that was, that was kind of interesting, but anyway, yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about a couple other things here. Um, Travis Etienne, 24 yeah. carries, 156 yards and a touchdown. He also caught three targets in this game. He's RB one rest of the season pretty easily. There's going to be yeah. conversations about where, where, where in that top 12 is he, right? But like you know, if you rank him in the top six, top seven, top eight, you know, you you can't get a lot of pushback at this point. The fact that you know James Robinson, you know, is not on this team anymore, and Doug Peterson, you know, gave him 27 opportunities in this game, and this and this offense was driven by Travis Etienne against against the Broncos uh, in London. So right. what are your thoughts on, on ETN after seeing his big performance this week with, you know, not only getting the, getting the yards, getting the production, but now getting a monster, monster type of workload. Uh, this is what we were waiting for, you know, <laughs> with Travis ETN. And we kind of called this a little bit. We said that it was starting to shift even with James Robinson there, but James Robinson leaving just solidified that workload. It is the perfect storm, especially where he was drafted, you know, for him being a league winning running back. And if you traded for him before James Robinson left, you know, you're even happier because the offense is heavily, if not exclusively reliant on Travis Etienne producing to move the ball. Outside of Travis Etienne, <laughs> there was nothing impressive, nothing even like encouraging about this offense. If Travis Etienne wasn't playing, Jacksonville wouldn't have put up any points, I don't think. So he's the engine of the offense. He's really, you know, the only thing that's working for the Jaguars right now. I think that the Jaguars can get better because we saw what they were doing to open the year when they went two and one in the first three games and the offense didn't look that bad. And we had a bunch of guys contributing, but it's now just kind of been dumbed down to, okay, let's give the ball to Travis Etienne 25, 26 times a game, you know, and and then we'll let him do his thing. And that's perfect for fantasy. But um, I think that the offense goes as Travis Etienne goes, he's going to have big days regardless because this was a good, you know, Denver defense and, they looked like the Denver defense. It's not like they're missing too many guys. They have all the players that they need. Um, I, I think that Travis Etienne is going to tear it up. You know, this was a good defense, like I said. So if he goes against someone that isn't Denver's defense, he could be in for even more monster days. Um, I would say yes. You have him ranked as a top 10 running back easily. Yeah, I think that's his floor. You know, you say RB1 would be top 12. I think top 10 is where he should be at the lowest. You know, I think that it would be a little bit, uh, pessimistic to say that he's anything less than top 10. Now, you mentioned something. You said that this offense goes as ETN goes. That sounds kind of familiar from so- something that somebody said yesterday. And I forget. Oh, you know what? It was Jerry Jones. Oh, was that right. Guy. Yeah, him. It was Jerry Jones. <laughs> Tony Pollard absolutely went off in relief of Zeke Elliott. 14 carries for 131 yards and a hat trick, three touchdowns. And he didn't get a ton of work, you know. No. First of all, the game was over kind of quickly, you know. But Malik Davis, you know, he he was brought up from the practice squad. He was pretty involved, right, on early downs. And mm-hmm. he also got some work in garbage time late. Like, he got, like, you know, four or five carries late in that game uh, once that game was pretty much over. And that didn't matter. But, of course, after the game, Jerry Jones had to come out and say that the Cowboys goes <laughs> as he goes. Yeah. And, what what does that mean? It pretty much means that 
there's not going to be a change in this backfield when Zeke comes back in terms of usage. And at least that that that's what he wants. And you know, he's the boss at the end of the day, right? Mike McCarthy mm-hmm. is going to like, you he's know, listen to what Jerry says. That's that's yeah. that's his boss, right? And I I'd imagine the split, you know, being relatively close. Like before this past week, you know, Pollard was on the field a little bit more, but Zeke was a little bit banged up. You know, even with Zeke out of this game, Pollard only saw 53% of the snaps, right? And mm. It sucks because he's just a damn good running back, right? And he got yeah. it done regardless, not seeing that 90% snap share. Um, but the good thing is at least they used him as the primary guy inside the 10. So he got the snaps you wanted him to get. He had the big play for the touchdown. So that 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 you know that was great to see. But we knew that he had it in him. Uh, but it does kind of suck that we won't be able to, you know, really put his talent, you know, to use if Zeke is healthy. Yeah, and you're really only going to see this performance once, as well, you know, I think the rest of the season, assuming Zeke stays healthy because they are going on by. So any chance of Zeke maybe missing time next week, you know, just in case, it's out the window. Um, it's really infuriating because we just saw what Tony Pollard can do. And like you said, only 15 opportunities. He puts up 33.7 PPR points. Like, he's just a machine. You know, he can catch it, he can run it, and he's much more explosive. If you watch him just yesterday, get through the holes. He gets there 10 times faster. And then that long touchdown at the end of the game, Zeke gets caught up in the traffic and he's getting tackled behind the line on that play. Tony Pollard has a second gear that Zeke doesn't have. He's shifty. He's just, you know, a perfect running back that Jerry Jones is going to continue to bury with Zeke because he paid Zeke all that money. That's the only thing. I think I have my sets, my sights set on next season. I, I, don't, I think Tony Pollard's done enough that I think that the Cowboys can cut their losses with Zeke. They have an out in his contract coming up this offseason. My sights are set on 2023 for Tony Pollard. But this is, you know, Tony Pollard is the elite handcuff, you know, in the NFL. 100%. 100%. And, you know, I was going to call Zeke a cash cow, but he's (laughs) not even a cash cow because a cash cow, you know, I looked it up. I looked looked up what a cash cow means. Cash cow, the definition actually means that you're getting a return from that cash cow. (laughs) So all the but all they're doing with Zeke is just giving him a lot more than what he's giving you, unfortunately. Okay, so <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna fight that. It, it, <laughs> he's Zeke. The thing about Zeke is he's he's a good running back. He he could pick up a blitz, but who pays a guy to? You don't pay a running back ninety million dollars on a contract to pick up the blitz. You know, right. that's, that's more the than point. they're paying any other lineman. So it's like, come on, like, what that's are you doing? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Uh, Cortland Sutton, man, he has been on a bad streak lately and, and Jerry Judy coming on a little bit too. Like Judy caught six or seven targets for 63 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Sutton caught one ball for 13 yards. He's on a, he's on a three game streak right now where it's not, it hasn't been looking good for him. Right. Mm -hmm. You can chalk it up to a couple bad matchups, but this wasn't really a bad matchup, right? Like Sutton should have came through in this game. Um, and he didn't, right? Like Russ was all over the place. He had good moments. He had bad moments. He had terrible moments. He had really good moments. And he was just all over the place in this game. However, you know, you're disappointed with Sutton. What are you mm-hmm. doing with Sutton right now? You know, are you looking to move him? Are you worried about him? Uh, well, we're obviously worried. I think that that's not even the question. It's more like, what are you doing with him? Are you holding him until he has a good game? You, and then you're selling him at that point? Or are you just holding out hope that he's going to eventually come through and do what he was doing for the first several weeks of the season. I'd be looking to hold and then sell at the next good game. You know, if assuming Jerry Judy doesn't get moved by tomorrow in a trade, I don't right. think Jerry Judy's going to get moved because 
you know, I think the Broncos were just grasping for straws. And if Jerry Judy is what worked for this game to get them a win, they're not going to let that walk out of the building. You know, I think they're just like going to take whatever's working for them now and stick with that. And that's why it's going to be. So I'd expect Jerry Judy to actually be, you know, um, a, a decent factor moving forward. I, I think Cortland Sutton, we're seeing that whatever connection there was with Russell Wilson at the beginning of the season, it's not really there at this point anymore. And he's not getting the quality targets that he was getting at the beginning of the season. He air yards are down. He's just not doing Cortland Sutton things. You know, he looks like he is a good receiver, but Russell Wilson has been all over the place. There's been a lot of volatility. Um, other guys have come up and gone down, you know, KJ Hamler um, outproduced Cortland Sutton at this point. I, that's, you know, inexcusable. I think that Cortland Sutton, I don't want to say he's met his ceiling, you know, but it looks like whatever upside we were projecting, you know, we thought this would be a really good offense. Obviously that's out the window at this point, but it, I thought maybe Cortland Sutton would be able to be, you know, one of the things that keeps uh, Denver's offense a little bit relevant. It seems like they're just kind of letting him out to dry, which I said, you know, a couple of weeks ago, you know, he's not going to leave you out to dry, even in a bad game. That's what he's done the past three weeks. I, I'd look to sell him um, as soon as he has a good game, because at this point, he's not reliable week to week anymore. Greg Dulcich is outproducing him right now, right? Uh, four for 87 this week, right? Six for 54. 51 on nine targets the week before. So Dulcich is like, you know, coming on as a rookie and he's looking like a pretty good dynasty asset at this point, like probably top 12 tight end in dynasty, you know, at this point already just through a couple games in his career. Um, so, you know, he should be picked up and he should be started, you know, as a low end tight end one right now. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. Let's see what else we have. And, and let's talk about Kyle Pitts. Okay. He came through this week, right? A lot of people probably benched him. Right, I would have. And, you know, there is a silver lining, though. Like, maybe you can finally trade him. Like, I'm not holding out hope on this passing offense and anything being dependable from it, you know, when it comes to Calipets, especially this season. Uh, looking, I'm looking at this as an opportunity to sell Africa game to a team who doesn't have a good tight end. Like, somebody who's streaming, somebody who could use some upside. I'm selling him right now. Like, I just I just can't depend on it. Like, from the, for, this is not a dynasty take. Like, dynasty, I, I love the guy. Like, uh, he's, like, one of the best dynasty assets to me. However, for redraft, like, I don't trust the situation. I look at this as a blessing. Yeah. No, this is a blessing. And this is the thing that you have going for it. So, I, I think Kyle Pitts can continue to do his thing. You know, I, I think that he's looked a little bit better. The offense has been a little bit better these past few weeks. But we've seen what he can be, you know, when he's not catching touchdowns which is pretty bad um this is a blessing because like i said he's i said this a little bit before the podcast but he's had two passable weeks you know so now he's looking like an asset a tight end that you can start each week you know and not have to worry about him just putting up one catch or was it he was notorious he put up like 3.9 points like three times this season exactly on the dot um this is i think the opportunity to sell right now i don't think you're going to get a whole lot in return for him. I mean, it's not like he's ballooned his value to the point where he's going to be like this nice trade piece, but I think that he's now tradable where before he wasn't. Yeah. You couldn't move him at all. Like even in a package, like nobody wanted him. Yeah. However, even during like some bad stretches, I've got a lot of, a lot of questions about whether, you know, we should, he, people should be buying him. Right. And people were moving him and buying him left and right. Where like, the hope really wasn't there, right? And if you bought him and you and you and you started him this week, great. But I don't think that this is something that's dependable. So I would I would try to move on if I can. Yeah. There are other options like on the waiver wire that you can potentially pick up and start and 
get better success than Kyle Pitts for the rest of the season. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Justin Fields, like we mentioned earlier, continuing where he left off, two touchdowns through the air, one on the ground, and ran for 60 yards on the ground as well against a tough Dallas defense. We were talking about it last week. Like, like dude, like it's, we, love what, what lo- we love what Justin Fields is doing right now, but to start him against Dallas, is he there yet? I don't think we should be doing that, but he came through. Mm-hmm. And I had to do that. Like we said on a couple of episodes, that was it the episode, was it Friday? I yeah. had to start him. And, you know, it pained me a little bit every time he scored, but it was fine. You know, the silver lining was there. Justin Fields is looking like the dual threat that we wanted him to be. I think there's such a drastic change. And this was a Cowboys defense that was really good. There's such a drastic change in the way that he's playing. He's playing much more confident. He's putting the ball where it needs to be. And the play calling is finally starting to, you know, make the most of his skill set. You know, we have a couple design runs. We have spots where he scrambles. He scrambles very well at this point. He's limiting the turnovers and the bad passes. Um, he did have one interception called back by um, roughing the passer, but that's just the way they're calling it. Any quarterback will get that type of call these days. But um, other than that, you know, Justin Fields, he's looking much more polished as a player. He's looking like much more consistent quarterback, and the offense is moving. And we said, you know, obviously this is a ground game, the run, a run-first offense. That's what they base their offense around. But – with Justin Fields as a running quarterback, is that a bad thing? You know, he just has to be efficient as a passer, and he has the rushing upside to get you where you need to be in fantasy. We're starting to see that. We've seen that the past two weeks against the Patriots and the Cowboys, two very good defenses. Um, I'm interested to see how things go next week against Miami. If if, if that could be a shootout, Justin Fields could have another huge day. Um, he's exited the range where you're not really confident starting him. I think you're now confident starting him. He is still a QB two for me at this point, but a couple more good weeks. He's a QB one. I think I'm ranking him as a low one QB one, man. I think I'm you doing think so? it. I mean, he, he has three straight weeks of, of top 12 performances at this point, And I am going to be starting him. Like if he was able to do it against the Cowboys, you know, he might be able to do it against other defenses. So I think yeah. moving forward, he's going to be my top 12, uh, the way he's playing, like, Good for him, man. He's doing his thing. And he has a couple of running backs in the backfield who can catch the ball, and this offense is getting better because of it. Mm-hmm. Khalil Herbert, he had one more carry than David Montgomery in this game. Uh, Montgomery did lose a fumble. That might affect things moving forward, yeah. right? Uh, but, you know, Khalil Herbert, he did his thing on his 16 carries, 91 yards, and a red zone touchdown. Uh, Montgomery outsnapped him 56-22, to 22, though. Okay, so keep that in mind. You know, he was on the field a ton. But, you know, we also have to keep in mind that Khalil Herbert, one thing that he sucks at is pass protection, 
right? He's not good at pass yeah. protection. He's not going to be good in pass protection. So this is a situation where like there's a huge delta uh, when it comes to that particular skill set. Montgomery's going to be on the field. He's going to be involved. So regardless, though, Khalil Herbert needs to be picked up off the waiver wire. He's still like hovering near that 50% mark in terms of rostership. He has to be picked up at this point. And he's going to get touches at this point. There's no reason to not have him on your team if he's on the waiver wire. Just take him because you could use him. He's one of the players that you could package up in a two-for-one deal, and he actually has value. But with Justin Fields, you know, the other thing you know, you say he's on a hot streak. He's had over 60 yards rushing the past three games. He hit 60 yards rushing against Dallas. But before that, the past two games before that, it's over 80 yards rushing both times. He's finding his feet. And I said the play calling is working wonders for him. All he has to do is be efficient, and he's going to produce for you. I called him this year's Jalen Hurts. Suddenly, I'm looking like, you know, Nostradamus over here because Justin <laughs> Fields is looking good. And I, I, I think that, that his price is what makes this, you know, the most encouraging. The way that the way that he's being drafted, it was much lower than a lot of other quarterbacks. And he's starting to return. And I'm liking what I'm seeing from the Bears right now. I think that, you know, obviously the future is bright for them with Justin Fields at quarterback. This might work. Awesome. Okay. Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle again, uh, the most explosive wide receiver duo in the NFL, and it's not even close. Uh, Tyreek, 12 catches for 188 yards. Waddle, 8 for 106 and two touchdowns. That led to Tua throwing for uh, 382 yards and three touchdowns. This offense is explosive. Mike McDaniel's combination with Tua and these playmakers is the best in the NFL right now. Yeah. And that is hands down. You know, you look at the receivers, Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill, what they're doing for Tua. It, it, they're all playing off each other. It's not like, oh, Tua's only, you know, uh, re- relevant, fantasy relevant because, you know, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle are, do- are doing their thing. Now, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, Waddle, we've seen, have the highest ceiling when Tua is playing. Um, it's just undeniably great for fantasy. And you're perfectly fine starting either of these two receivers as a wide receiver one. Because that's just the way that they're being used. This is a pass-first offense. Mike McDaniel, man, he is just, you know, carving up defenses using his playmakers, getting the ball in the hands of the players that need it. I mean, I didn't think this was coming. I, I thought that, you know, like I said, Jalen Waddle, my first piece of content for upper hand fantasy was that J, the Jalen Waddle breakout, you know, it's going to have to wait because Tyreek Hill is in Miami. And now he's having a breakout, even with Tyreek Hill in Miami. And Tua looks really good, so... I, I think this is, you know, best case scenario. They're, I think they're both top five receivers right now, fantasy points total overall this season. Um, you know, start all three of them with confidence every week. Hell yeah, man. And, you know, we had both these guys in our top 10 this week, and it, it, they showed out. The, the, the matchups were amazing. Uh, so continue to start these guys and expect big things, you know, moving forward. Um, through eight games, they have the most receiving yards ever for a wide receiver duo in the NFL, which is awesome. Okay. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Raheem Mostert had 15 touches himself, but didn't come through with the big game in such a good matchup. It was all Tyreek and all Waddle in this game. So that, 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 you know, that's unfortunate, but all of the, listen, when Tyreek and Waddle are going to do what they did, you know, it is what it is. You know, Raheem Mostert had such a good matchup. I was, I ran him pretty high. The Lions defense wasn't that good in terms of, you know, defending the run this year. It was a good start. It just didn't work out. You know, yeah. it is what it is. And uh, 
yeah, with Raheem Mostert. It's not even he didn't completely, you know, screw you over. I mean, seven points. It's not it's not anything to be happy about, but he didn't completely screw you over. But that's kind of what you're getting when you have an offense that has Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell in it, you know it's gonna be pass first. Um, you know, this is the type of week. I, I expect to see this type of week more often than not, you know, where just Ty- Tyreek Hill and Jalen Wall, Jalen Wall go crazy and Raheem Mostert's, you know, just you know, just he's the running back. That's what he does. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, you know, it, it it's it's one of those things where you could probably buy Raheem Mostert. Like, I'm just so hesitant of buying somebody who's never had this type of workload at his age, you yeah. know. But he's somebody who has like a workload on a good offense that I like, you know. So that's 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 his that's the intriguing part of Raheem Mostert. And when he has a subpar performance like this against a, a bad defense, like I'm I'm personally like it, it, it's such an opportunity. It looks like an opportunity to buy to me yeah. norm, in normal situations, you know, but the other I'm, thing, not, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm willing to do it though. The other thing to note with Raheem Mostert is that Alec Engle vultured a goal line touchdown f- for some reason, you know, he got one carry it was a one yard touchdown at a touchdown Raheem Mostert's day. And it's suddenly passable. So just something to note, because I don't know what Alec Engle is doing, taking carries from Raheem Mostert, but we, we knew that this was going to be like, you know, a mess of a backfield coming into the season. Um, so yeah, that could, that could be your silver line. Okay. He just got screwed. You know, you talk about missed points. I know Steve over at fantasy guys does that post. Um, I, I would consider that missed points. Definitely. Uh, Deandre Swift returned to a modest fantasy day. Uh, he returned to a near, uh, full-time role. Right, and I think it'll grow even more next week. But he ended up with only five carries. Didn't do much on those five carries at all. He had five targets as well. Um, so decent day in terms of workload. You know, they didn't bring him fully back. Jamal Williams ended up with guess guess how many touchdowns he had? Two. Another two touchdown day for the Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams two touchdown outing. <laughs> That's all he does. It's two or none. It's two or none. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm happy starting DeAndre Swift next week as a, a RB2. Uh, but, you know, that will go up as we go on. Uh, you know, I was fine starting Raheem Mostert over DeAndre Swift this week because I love the matchup and I wasn't sure how much, you know, time Swift was going to have on the field. He did kind of save your day with that receiving touchdown, uh, you know, in the red zone. So that's great. Uh, but, you know, yeah. let's continue to start him and, and, and he will he will be fine. Okay. Um, let's see. Let's see what else we have here. DeAndre Hopkins, he came through uh, on the matchup we were talking about this week. You know, 12 catches on 13 targets for 159 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Zach Ertz, he caught a touchdown. Rondell Moore went seven for 92 and a touchdown, eight targets. Hopkins was back to his normal role. Uh, he ran 52 routes on the perimeter this week. And, and guess where he ran 51 of those routes? Where? <laughs> on that left side yeah. <laughs> where he's always always running routes um you know so so you know last week he ran about 50 percent of his routes from the slot um so uh and and this and this particular week like he moved to the left side for most of those like it wasn't 50 50 like it was last week uh rondell moore ran 50 50 this week almost all of his routes were on the right side in the perimeter where he can't do anything but <laughs> this week 50 percent of his routes from the slot uh but the the fact that they ran so many pass plays in this game allowed him to run 
31 routes from the slot. So that was enough. Um, yeah. You know, hopefully he continues to move back to an like all slot type of role. Uh, but the good thing is, at least with this scenario, he never leaves the field. Yeah, no, that, that's that's what it looks like. Rondo Moore. When we talked about this at length, I think the other day, every time we talk about the Cardinals, we talk about the coaching and that way that they're being played. But if Rondo Moore is in the slot, he's going to do his thing. And I think DeAndre Hopkins is working wonders for Rondo Moore at this point because now. The coverage is pulled off of him. Lucky for Rondo Mori. I don't think he's ever had to deal with number one coverage. As soon as Marquise Brown went down, DeAndre Hopkins came back. But my big takeaway from this game, obviously the receivers were good. My big takeaway from this game is that Kyler Murray looked like, you know, the Kyler Murray that we wanted him to be. And I said about this last week, if Kyler Murray didn't have a good day against his Vikings defense, that I'd be worried about it. I'm not worried about it right now. And it looks like the offense is finding its feet. Kyler Murray threw some touchdowns. And obviously, like we said, it was pass heavy. Um, high scoring game and the negative game script um, pretty much most of the day. Um, I, I was happy to see Kyler Murray do his thing. You know, I, I don't think that there's anything for me to worry about now with Kyler Murray. We've seen that he can do his thing. We've seen that the upside is there. It's not necessarily world breaking like it was to open the past two seasons. He started the past two seasons like red hot and he had a really nice ceiling. But Kyler Murray, um, we finally saw the upside that he's supposed to have. And I think that it could continue. Now, when Hollywood Brown comes back, oh, baby. Yeah. Oh, baby. Like, assuming <laughs> that Hollywood is going to, you know, look like himself, like, after that after that foot injury, this is going to be a pretty good offense, man. It really yeah. is. Because Hopkins is looking pretty good, too. Right? Hopkins um, hasn't lost you know, a step. Like, it's just it's he, just crazy. Like he gained a step. Yeah. Right? Like he, 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 <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, the, the dude, like, he's looking really good, man. Looking a lot better than I thought he would look, to be honest with you. Like, he's looking much better than he's looked all last year. He was itching to come back. You yeah. know, there's no doubt about it. So, we'll see, like, you know, if, you know, if that, this type of target share continues, two double-digit target games for him, two games in a row with him back. Uh, so, so we'll see how that, you know, what, what that looks like moving forward. Like, I don't know. Like, I was, I wanted to sell DeAndre Hopkins, you know, but after two straight games of him getting some serious, the thing is, like, his matchup was too good this week. And, you know, we were yeah. kind of expecting this to happen. You know, is this a situation where it drops off or does it continue? Uh, you know what? Like, I think I might hold him at this point. You know, he's just looked really, really good. So, yeah. You know, I don't, I, that, I that's think, how I'm dealing with it. I think your best bet, you're not going to be able to buy him. Because everyone's like, man, he you came back. You can't like, this is the savior of some people's fantasy seasons. You know, they might have had him riding the IR the whole season. You know, and now he's on on their roster. You know, maybe they had him on their bench the whole season, and he's come back and he's done this. You know, he's maybe won them two weeks in a row. They're not going to be able. You're not going to be able to buy him from those owners. But if you have him already, you could hold. Or if you, if you, you know, if you're not too attached to him, you could sell him for like. I think a huge haul. His value is as high as it's going to be, I think, this season. I think it's going to be hard to follow up 33-point performance against Minnesota in Seattle in week yeah. nine because, you know, Seattle's defense... A tougher, tougher matchup, for sure. Seattle's defense suddenly looks a little bit better. Um, and with Hollywood Brown coming back, you know, that could, that could be on the horizon a couple of weeks out. Um, I think that his, this is as high as his value is going to be. And you could get a really nice haul for him back because he looks like a, he's a fancy wide receiver one, you know, when he yeah. plays. He's averaging 27 points a game. Yeah. Um, Alvin Kamara, he himself had a three touchdown game. Another one, another hat trick. Absolutely killed it, man. In addition to his 18 carries, he caught nine of 10 targets. Yeah. Right? That's now four straight games with at least six catches. So he had six catches, six catches, seven catches, nine, nine catches for Kamara over the last four. 
And over the past four weeks, he's been the overall RB1. So it's a good thing we told you guys to buy Kamara after his slow start to the season, right? Mm-hmm. Like we, over the first couple of weeks, didn't look great. You know, he looked fine to me, like in terms of like him himself. But, you know, the team was off to a bad start. Um, but, you know, we just knew who Kamara was. And those in those type of situations, you know, you know that the opportunity is going to be there uh, and he's going to do his thing. So I'm glad that, you know, he's showing out and showing everybody that he's still, you know, who we thought he was. Yeah. And what's been the common denominator for Alvin Kamara doing his thing? It's Andy Dalton. Who would have thought, you know, suddenly his offense, the offense looks undeniably better with Andy Dalton, at quarterback than James Winston. And, you know, I had high hopes for James Winston. I, I was yeah. hoping that he'd be able to look back and, um, do his thing you know he'd look like he was in before he got injured last season but that hasn't been the case and it looks like Dennis Allen made the right choice by putting Andy Dalton in at quarterback and letting him stay because the Saints offense you know suddenly is unstoppable and their defense looked good yesterday and you know the conversation will probably get to Devontae Adams and you know the Raiders offense in a minute but um the the Saints offense looks really good it's now running through Alvin Kamara again and that's only good news for him Alvin Kamara should be back He's boosted back to RB1 status, if not elite RB1 status, because he's been doing his thing with Andy Dalton at quarterback. As long as Andy Dalton's there, I'm happy with Alvin Kamara. And I'll be the first to say, I was hesitant about Alvin Kamara when you said to buy him. I think that was even a couple weeks ago. You know, I I was hesitant. I was like, maybe the offense seems to have changed. It's not necessarily what it was before. Um, It looks like I'm going to have to, you know, eat my humble pie on that one. Yeah, that's why I brought it up. Uh, AJ Brown, yet another three touchdowns for him on Sunday. Great matchup. And he came through in one year week. Six for 156 yards and three touchdowns. This was coming. Like there was yeah. going to be a positive touchdown regression coming for him. And we talked about him, buying him low too because he was yeah. available. People were selling him, right? Like he wasn't viewed as this like wide receiver one. But mm-hmm. now after this three touchdown performance on a per, points per game basis, he's wide receiver six this season. So yeah, he is a wide receiver one, and you know th- this is one of the great calls. Like I, I, I love this situation because he came to this team. A lot of people didn't think he could get it done with Jalen Hurts number one. That Jalen Hurts wasn't going to get him the ball, feed him the ball. They thought it was going to be a, a very wide open target distribution. You know, there's too many mouths to feed. No, mm-hmm. AJ Brown's that dude, and he's getting it done for you. Yeah. Love what I saw from AJ Brown yesterday and the Eagles offense in general. This could have been a much bigger day if the Steelers weren't bad. You know what I'm saying? He had three touchdowns in the first half. They went up. There was no need to throw the ball then. They just they didn't have to throw to AJ Brown. They could rest their starters. Obviously, Jalen Hurts played through most of the game. Jalen Hurts had a really good day too. But AJ Brown finally, like we said about that positive touchdown regression coming, his career touchdown percent of 13. He's at six percent this season. That's gone up at this point. Um, AJ Brown is a big play waiting to happen. It hasn't happened, you know, for a couple weeks in a row. And at that point, you know, he's on the verge of it. You just have to wait for it to come. And it happened. So I, I think that we're going to continue to see um, more production like this from AJ Brown, more production that is much better than it is, you know, what we've seen in the past couple of weeks where it's worse. I, I think that this was a great matchup and AJ Brown did exactly what he was supposed to do against them. Um, we're not surprised by this, and it's just great to see AJ Brown's gonna be able to do it against any defense. But um, you know, this was this one I think was pretty easy to see coming. Derrick Henry ran the ball 32 times against the Texans for 219 yards and two touchdowns. We kind of saw this coming, right? Like everybody did, right? The Texans yeah. were absolutely 
atrocious against the run game, right? And like, this was a perfect storm right here. Derrick Henry was like, oh, okay, you guys think against the run. Well, it just so happens that I get 20 to 25 carries when that happens, and he ended up with 32 for 200-plus yards, and he absolutely destroyed them. And the Titans won the game. I was going to talk about Willis real quick. Mm. Five carries, 10 pass attempts. (laughs) Not good. (laughs) You know, the the Titans were not going to let him pass the ball just yet. Uh, You know, this game was literally on Derrick Henry's shoulders. So, you know, I guess Malik is not the fantasy-relevant guy. We You know, we thought he'd be just yet. You know, he did, you know, he, we weren't sure who was going to get the start this week and he didn't, you know, get that much time to prep. Uh, but, you know, it was all it was all Derrick Henry this week for them. Right. And why wouldn't you have it be Derrick Henry against Houston? It's death, taxes and Derrick Henry putting up 200 yards. That's Pretty all much. it is. That's how it works for him against Houston. In the past three games, he's averaging, I think, 230 yards on the ground per game. It's just ridiculous. And um, with Malik Willis, he said, you know, I wasn't expecting too much. I mean, I thought maybe he'd be a little bit more fantasy relevant than he was. But when you have Derrick Henry running the way he was, there's no reason to do anything else. He was the only um, fantasy relevant player really on this offense outside of maybe Dontrell Hillier, who didn't look bad either. You know, eight carries for 83 yards. He didn't have a touchdown, so his numbers aren't that inflated. But, you know, it was all the Titans run game on uh, against Houston yesterday. And that's, you know, what we anticipated, what we expected. I think we had him ranked as the RB3, was it, this week? I think that's where he finished. Maybe he might have been the... Yeah, No, he is the RB3 behind Kamara and McCaffrey. Yeah. And, so. you know, it's, it's, it's funny because whenever we think about Derrick Henry going up against a team like the Texans, you're like, everybody knows what's going to happen here, but they yeah. still can't stop him. It makes you no know, sense. Like, <laughs> like, just crowd the box doesn't matter. They're not going to get it done. You know, you know that Malik Willis wasn't going to get it done through the air. You have one job. And that's how bad the Texans offense is. They just can't. They, there's no, even without balance, they're not going to be able to stop you. It yeah. doesn't matter. It's just <laughs> Derrick Henry is looking like the king again, which is, is. awesome. I mean, he what, he's on a fantastic scoring streak, I think, these past few weeks. I mean, 25, 23, 27. You know, went on by 16 and now 35. Made up for that 16-point performance by going over 30 points this week. Derrick Henry's back. <laughs> He's back. 49ers, they're making Christian McCaffrey their bell cow pretty quickly. Yeah, 81% of snaps, 27 opportunities. That includes that one pass that he threw for a touchdown. But the split was uh, 18 carries for 94 yards and a goal line touchdown. He caught 8 of 9 targets for 55 yards and another touch- another touchdown. By the way, that touchdown was awesome. His the one that he caught in the end zone, like yeah. he ran out into the flat. He he rec- like Jimmy G was kind of scrambling a little bit. He read the zone coverage. He ran into the end zone and Jimmy G put it on him. Great catch. He looked like a wide receiver out there, right? Yeah. And then he threw that touchdown to Brandon Ayuk, uh, which was a little bit of a trick play. So he threw a touchdown. He ran in a touchdown and he caught a touchdown. And that's the first player in a long ass time to do that. Two thousand five. And I, I, don't, I forget who the player was. I just saw that stat flying around. And we, we put out a post about it. That was 2005. It was LaDainian Tomlinson. Okay, that makes sense. Believe it. That makes sense. Yep. That, I mean, who else, right? <laughs> this is the, you know, I don't want to say 21st century, but, you know, it's not that long ago that LaDainian Tomlinson was tearing it up. But this is the new wave, uh, LaDainian Tomlinson and Christian McCaffrey. We talked about, you know, his volume maybe going down. It didn't really happen. And, you know, his the actual quality of his touches has gone so far up. I mean, I'm not surprised by this at all. I, I didn't think 
40 points was going to be what he did. I thought maybe, you know, like a solid day, 25 points was going to be like what we saw. But yeah. Christian McCaffrey in this offense is just going to be ridiculous. Like he looked, yeah. he is the, he's the best weapon, best offensive weapon in the NFL when he's healthy. Is there any other running back for fantasy you'd rather have rest of season than Christian McCaffrey? No. Not, and that's an easy, easy answer. Just in this offense, you know, much more creative, much more fantasy conducive, not just because, you know, the players on it are better, but the coaching is better, much more competent than it was in, in, in Carolina. I, Christian McCaffrey is in a perfect position, and his value has skyrocketed even higher than it was when he was on the Panthers. Which is crazy. Now, if yep. you're drafting her at the one-on-one like we recommended, you're doing all right. But if you drafted the other guy, Jonathan Taylor, yeah, a consensus one on one, you're not doing so great right now. Okay, uh, he had a fumble loss in that game. You know, he had a decent game on the ground, but didn't get a whole lot of volume, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the fumble kind of killed it for you. On top of that, he had a little bit of an ankle injury, right? And yep. he was getting that that ankle taped up, so he was kind of in and out the game. wasn't great. Hopefully that ankle injury isn't serious and he's able to practice just fine this week and, you know, kind of come through going forward. But as of right now, listen, I'm still starting Jonathan Taylor, right, as a, yeah. I would say, high-end RB2 right now, right? Because there's mm-hmm. a lot of good running backs that are, you know, worthy of that RB1 title right now. You got Travis Etienne moving up there. You have Damian Pierce moving up there, even though he didn't have a great game, but he's up there, right? You mm-hmm. have Kenneth Walker moving up there. You have... You know, Alvin Kamara, you have Joe Mixon, you have all these guys, you know, between the RB6 and the RB12, you know, they, those guys are going to move up and down. But Jonathan Taylor right now, he hasn't been able to get it done, but still starting him, I'm not selling him, right? Uh, I'm even, if you if you have a good record and you can afford to buy him, I'd even buy him because I would not be surprised if he has a late season run where he has six games of like just absolutely just tearing it up, right? It's possible. Yeah. But as of right now, you know, it, it's, it hasn't been great. So what are your thoughts on Jonathan Taylor overall moving forward uh, out of this game? Very disappointing game. You know, this was supposed to be a pretty good matchup. You know, Washington defense isn't very good. And they were on a two-game win streak, but this isn't a very good team. I think Jonathan Taylor should have had a better day than he did. Um, obviously, the injury hurts. You know, he did lose a fumble, and he didn't get anything done through the pa- in the passing game. So that definitely pulled his numbers down a bit. But – um I'm not going to bet against Jonathan Taylor personally. Like I said, I've said this, I've been preaching this, I think the past few weeks now, that Jonathan Taylor has always come out slow a little bit and they heats up during the second half of the season. I'm counting on that again until I, if we get to like week, if we get to Thanksgiving and he hasn't had a game or two, then I'd worry. But at this point, you know, I'm not starting him as anything less than, you know, what I drafted him to be. If he's, if I draft him to be my RB1, you know, chances are I don't have anybody else to be my RB1. I'm going to start him there. I think he has that upside. He just hasn't been hitting it because, A, you know, he obviously he's been banged up, and B, because this Colts offense just is not very good. The touchdown upside is not really there at this point. So I, I think that I'm not encouraged by what I'm seeing from Jonathan Taylor, but I'm holding out hope. I'm going. I'm not at the point where it's like I'm holding out hope and things are terrible and I'm not thinking it's going to turn around. I think it's going to turn around. I think it's going to, but – at this point, you just have to start him and hope that he has a, a, a good day. Damian Harris, he made a little bit of a dent in Ramondre Stevenson's uses just a little bit. Um, Stevenson played on 63% of snaps in this game, uh, and they did split early down work, basically right down the middle 
uh, as long as at least snaps, you know, when it comes to snaps. And, and they rotated by drive. Um, Stevenson was their passing down guy, so he will continue to get the edge over Damian Harris. And he ended up catching seven of eight targets for 72 yards in addition yeah. to his 71 yards on the ground. So he's going to continue to get work, you know. And if this type of role continues, you know, he's going to be a solid to high-end RB2 play every single week. Now, that's assuming that these targets, you know, continue to come, right? Mm. Um, and if they do, great. If they don't, you know, you're looking at more of a solid RB2 rather than like the high-end RB2. Um, but I just don't think as long as Damian Harris is healthy and if, if Ramondre is only getting like 63% of snaps in that range, he's not the RB1 play anymore. Uh, but, you know, he's still a very solid fantasy asset. He still scored, you know, 20 PPR fantasy points for you this week. Uh, this is just to kind of keep in mind, you know, what's happening in that backfield. And then Damian Harris is kind of still a part of that backfield after him coming back and him being removed from the hamstring injury for about a week now. Right. And if I have Ramondre Stevenson, yeah, it sucks to see Damian Harris get a little bit more work. You know, we saw what he could be when he gets the whole workload, but he still isn't bad. He's still clearly head and shoulders, I think, above Damian Harris at this point. He's getting the majority of the receiving work. I'm happy starting him every week as an RB2 with an RB1 upside. And chances are you were starting him at RB1 as like an RB1, you know, just because that's just how it shook out. Like, I don't think anybody I mean, drafted him. From- he's been finishing as an RB1 like every single week. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, like, for me to say, like, oh, he's RB2, like, uh, right. is he really? <laughs> so, so, it's like, where, so every week. yeah, I'm relating it to, like, where did I draft him? I Chances are, even though there was a lot of hype coming around, you know, his name, you know, we, we know the Patriots offense is a little bit handicapped. Um, it's not that explosive. So, chances are you had Ramondre Stevenson, you're thinking, okay, best case scenario, he's an RB2. He's producing yeah. like an RB1. You're not... Okay, Damian Harris got a couple carries. He got a couple catches. Big deal. Ramondre Stevenson, like I said, still head and shoulders above him. I'm not worried about it at all. Ramondre Stevenson's the guy. I, I was talking about the Colts offense, I, and I didn't hit on Michael Pittman yet uh, or or Sam Ellinger. So Ellinger was really focused on these outside wide receivers for the most part. Paris Campbell didn't get – he only got a, you know maybe a couple targets in this game. But Michael Pittman still saw nine targets for a 41% target share. Alec Pierce saw uh, five targets for a 23% target share. So those are the guys that he was going after, uh, opposed to Paris Campbell, who only had two targets. So Paris Campbell, you know, had a solid game because, you know, he was pretty efficient on his catches, and he had that one long run as well. Yeah. Uh, but it seems to me like, you know, the good thing is here, you know, even though Michael Pittman didn't have a big day in terms of receiving yardage, at least he got the receptions, and at least Sam Ellinger was looking for him. So this is a positive sign for Pittman. You know, it could have been a lot worse, uh, but the fact that you know Pittman was able to get that forty percent target share from Ellinger, regardless of the fact that it was like a little bit, you know, shorter depth on the shorter depth side, I- I'm okay with this. This is encouraging for Michael Pittman moving forward. Yeah, what this suggests for me is that you know he can continue to produce like he was producing with Matt Ryan at quarterback. I, I don't think he takes a hit down, or I don't think he goes up. I think it's very similar to what we had him at before. I think Michael Pittman's going to continue to produce. He's going to make his money in PPR catching passes. It might not be so much the deep threat anymore, but I, I think he's still you know a threat to score uh, on a deep pass anytime. It's just it, it might not come with Sam Ellinger at quarterback at least these next few weeks as Sam Ellinger warm, warms up, and if they're actually if the Colts are actually, you know, intending to keep him in the rest of the season, things the chemistry could build a little bit. If they let the chemistry build, Michael Pittman could get a bump for me in the future. But as things stand right now, I'm valuing Michael Pittman exactly like he was two weeks ago, four weeks ago, and at the beginning of the season. You know, and Ellinger, you know, he didn't look too bad in his debut. You know, I thought he looked no. all right. And, um, you know, I think he can 
probably build on that. So not bad at all. He completed 17 passes on 23 attempts, 74% completion percentage, solid, and threw for 200 yards. So, uh, you know, as a Colts fan, like I would be like, you know, that's not bad. That's really no. not bad for, for for his for his debut. And, you know, he, he only lost by one point. So and, Yeah, and late into the game, the Colts actually had, I think it was a 16-7 to 7 lead. So it's yeah. like the the defense kind of folded. Yeah, the offense didn't produce, and that could have been a reason that Washington was able. They left the door open. It might be why Washington was able to get back into the game. But I'm not, you know, mad about Sam Ellinger. I wasn't expecting really much. So at this point, I think that we can move forward with optimism. The Rams' backfield was an absolute mess this week. Ronnie Rivers led the backfield. What's a great name, by the way, Ronnie Rivers? It sounds like a it sounds like a like a name from Chippendales. Ronnie Rivers, <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> leads the battle with eight carries. Dale Henderson had four carries. Malcolm Brown yeah. made a comeback with four himself. Malcolm Brown was also their goal line back, <laughs> not not <laughs> Dale Henderson. So right now it's extremely trusted. It's hard to trust Dale Henderson, believe it or not. Um, mm-hmm. And I'd be surprised if the Rams don't bring in somebody today in a trade. And if they, and if they don't, I'll be very surprised that when Kyron Williams is healthy, that he's going to be extremely involved in this offense. Yeah. So what does this suggest that Ronnie Rivers was leading the backfield, that Daryl Henderson had four carries and Malcolm Brown had five? For me, what this suggests is that, yes, they're going to bring somebody in. And I think it's going to be Kareem Hunt. I saw a report somewhere that they were linking Kareem Hunt to LA. I think if I they're going it. to, I think if they're going to move for anybody, it's going to be Kareem Hunt. However, this season is kind of slipping away from the Rams. It's not a runaway division that they're in. You know, the, the Seahawks are only two games ahead of the Rams right now. But I look at the future that the Rams have, the draft picks that they have. You know, things aren't working for them right now. I think they can turn around too. But I think it's worth considering. You know, at this point, is it worth? going all out and trying to salvage what's left here, you know, maybe lose more draft capital in the process. If you're not going to go to the Super Bowl this season, it doesn't look like they have um, the firepower. It doesn't look like they're playing well enough to get to the Super Bowl at this point. Obviously, things can change. I wonder if that might, you know, make them hesitant to pull the trigger on that type of trade because I'm not sure what they're asking. I mean, a fourth-round pick, you know, if that's what it was rumored to be for Kareem Hunt. But, I mean, I'm interested to see how they play that because it seems like they don't – I mean, I don't think they have a first-round pick for another few years. Um, so we'll see what they do with that. But I think if they're going to add anybody, like this tells me that Kareem Hunt, say someone Kareem, like Kareem Hunt joins this offense, he's going to be immediate RB1. 100%. And he'll be a fantasy RB1 as well. And yeah. you can say what you want about the offense itself, and Kareem Hunt is that dude. Yeah, and they're lacking in the run game, and that's what's kind of making them one-dimensional one and forcing Matthew Stafford to throw a lot. You know, the offense is missing a piece in the backfield. Because they don't have a Daryl Henderson. They were banking on Cam Akers being that guy. It didn't work out. I, I think that they get Kareem Hunt. It'll make the offense a lot better overall. Garrett Wilson had a pretty good game with Zach Wilson. Um, this was without Corey Davis and without, with Elijah Moore only running seven routes. So Elijah Moore is officially in Robert Sala's doghouse. Yeah. It is what it is. And, you know, we'll see if the Jets trade him today. I doubt it. But still, you know, Garrett Wilson, at least we know he can get it done when he's given the targets. Uh, he went six for 115. When he's got the targets in the past, he's got it done. So very healthy. I mean, I'm sorry, very, uh, very good rookie wide receiver. Um, and, you know, he's one of the top prospects coming in, and he's going to be a very good NFL wide receiver. Uh, so, like, you know, Garrett Wilson could potentially make his way into being startable at some point right now. Yeah, 
I'm not sure if I trust him or this passing offense at all. But if I see another good game from Garrett, I might be okay with it. And with Corey Davis out potentially again, I might just roll him out there if I need if I need the help. Yeah, I think that you could do that with Corey Davis out. We just saw what he did this week, obviously. And this, we talk about the Patriots' defense being good. Um, it's a good Patriots defense. So I wasn't expecting too much from the Jets' offense. I think this is about what I expected. I'm not like rooting against your Jets or anything, but that's okay. Bill Belichick. I, I don't take it personally when it comes yeah. to the Jets, man. Bill Bill Belichick. <laughs> He tends to eat young quarterbacks alive. So Zach Wilson also has a bad history against the Patriots, I think. When he has played them, he kind of melts down, and he threw three picks. Um, I think not being on the field because he threw all those picks, you know, kind of hurts Garrett, Garrett Wilson's upside. You know, if Zach Wilson is going to co- continue to turn the ball over, um, we could see uh, this offense just kind of lagging behind a little bit in production because they're just not on the field. Um, I like Garrett Wilson, though. I think that he could be a good receiver while – you know, obviously, Elijah Moore, like you said, is in the doghouse and Corey Davis is out. I mean, Denzel Mims had that one big catch or two big yeah. catches, something like that. So um, maybe look out for him at this point. <laughs> um, well, well, the, well, I, well, the Jets ran a bunch of 12 personnel in this game, yeah. uh, you know, but because of the fact that they were OK just leaving Elijah Moore off the field. Tyler Conklin and CJ Ozama both, you know, Ozama Conklin played 75% of snaps and Ozama played 63% of snaps. So that tells you right there. And Conklin had 11 targets because of his 78% route participation, which he wasn't getting lately. But the fact that they were like, you know what, let's just leave Elijah Moore off the, off the field. We have other good players. Um, yeah. So Denzel Mims was the starting wide receiver opposite Gary Wilson. Um, and Braxton Berrios was coming in also before Elijah Moore, you know, so. He's definitely in the doghouse right now, and yeah. it's possible that if they continue to run a lot of 12 personnel, then CJ Ozama should be on the radar. Um, but it seems like a fluid situation to me to see you know, what their real personnel packages are going to be for the most part moving forward. Yeah. Um, let's see. Let's see if I had anything else to talk about this week. Uh, James Robinson, he made his Jets debut. He trailed Michael Carter by two carries in this game. So Carter did see seven targets. And, you know, it's, you know, dude, the target distribution on the Jets, like, completely shifted this week. Like, it went all yeah. over the place. Like, these running backs weren't getting that many targets. But if Carter's only going to get two more carries than James Robinson in Robinson's first game with them, he we, we might end up seeing him being the primary guy on early downs at some point. Uh, and it could be soon. Um, yeah. You know, it, it does suck, though. Like, Ty Johnson was on the field way too much in, in this game. Like, yeah. just get him off the field, please. Like, he didn't need to be on the field this much. And, you know, if it's Carter and Robinson or Robinson and Carter, like, that's what you want. You want a third running back in the mix. And that's what that's what it was uh, this past week. So it seems to me like James Robinson might, might make his way potentially to that 1A spot on early downs. It, it, it is possible. Um, so just keep an eye out on that if you do have James Robinson. It could be. Uh, I think anything that James Robinson does, though, ultimately, ultimately in that role, he's going to be living in the shadow of Brees Hall, which – you know, it's going to kind of leave people hanging and want more. But um, I, I think that James Robinson, if he does make it his way to that role, it's going to be much like he had in Jacksonville, which is funny to think. You know, he ends up right back in the same situation he was in, even though he did move. On one knee, DK Metcalf led his team in targets uh, with 10. He caught six of them for 55 yards and a touchdown. Tyler Lockett, he was having a day to forget, you know, after dropping some key passes. He dropped a touchdown pass that, you know, very unlike him. Uh, but he ended up coming through with the touchdown late, you know, so he came yeah. through uh, for the Seahawks and, you know, it was a very well-timed touchdown pass that he caught. And, you know, 
as far as DK goes, like I guess we're starting DK Metcalf like he's just fine. You know, there's yeah. probably still some risk associated to that patella tendon, you know, not being all put together right now. But like he looked just fine. He looked explosive as as explosive as ever in this game. Yeah, he. I, I didn't think he was gonna be playing. I saw him get carted off last week. I'm like, okay, this is it. It's not shit this time. You know, <laughs> he yeah. is. He's getting carted off, and this is going to be. He's missing some time. I couldn't believe he played. I left him out of my lineup in one league because I was like, okay, he's probably not gonna be 100. percent He's producing right. exactly like he was before the injury and the rest of the season. You know, obviously he's not game breaking. He's not game breaking receiver right now. Um, just because there's plenty of weapons on that offense suddenly. Um, and Geno Smith does a good job distributing the ball, but. This looks like exactly what we had before the injury. So until anything else happens, you know, like you said, let's just ignore the injury. It's DK Metcalf. That's, you're going to start him each week. Um, so from now on, yeah, I'm, I'm starting him. Yeah, man. Um, that's pretty much all I had. I did want to tell you guys about a few uh, underdog pickums that I liked for tonight. Uh, Joe Burrow. Oh, by the way, today's Halloween. So we have both orange teams playing against each other, of course, and the orange and black team playing against each other. So yeah. that's, well, that's hat the Bengals. To the schedule makers. <laughs> oh, yeah. Bengals and Browns this week, division game. Um, so I like Joe Burrow over 15 and a half rushing yards. Uh, I like him over 34 and a half pass attempts. He's pretty much done that almost in every game this year. T. Higgins over 60, 76 and a half receiving yards. I like Tyler Boyd under or at least lower than 64 and a half receiving yards today just because he has a pretty tough matchup out of the slot. So I'm, I'm, you know, it's hard to go on the lowers here because you always want to just assume that things are going to just go crazy. But that's the lower that I'm going to take in this game. Uh, yeah. And then Kareem Hunt, who knows what kind of usage he gets today? Does, does he get moved? Does he not? It, it, you know, if he's not act, like if he's active, maybe he doesn't get a ton of work. But I'm looking at 53 and a half scrimmage yards uh, under a uh, lower than 53 and a half scrimmage yards for him in this game. He hasn't got a lot of work over the past two weeks. And it could be because they were planning on trading him. So we'll see how yeah. that works out today. Uh, and then I had Donovan Peoples-Jones over 45 and a half receiving yards, something he's done uh, in almost every game over the past like several weeks. And on top of that, you have David Njoku out as well. Um, so, you know, a couple more targets going his way. I do like him. Now, use a code upper hand on underdogfantasy.com or down the underdog app. Use code UPPERHAND and you will get your first deposit doubled up to $100. So make sure you use this promo. Uh, take advantage. Enjoy tonight's game. Uh, and we'll be back tomorrow uh, for our waiver Wire show at 9 a.m. Eastern time right here on YouTube. And it'll be out on Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well. If you can subscribe wherever you listen, that would mean the world to us. We, 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 would, love, we would love that. We appreciate that. And we'll see you guys soon. All right. Take it easy. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye.